Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. In the 1700s, nearly every boy <laughs> dreamed of either fighting pirates or becoming one. Most folks don't realize that pirates had a great deal to do with the development of America. And they still do. Yepper, they still do. Like the old music man used to say, right here in River City. <laughs> yes, we still have pirates. And they're more of a menace today than they were back then. More on that a little later. So, what does all this have to do with Sal McGundy? Oh, let me, let me tell you about Sal McGundy. It was the favorite food of many pirates. It was the favorite food of Bartholomew Roberts. Oh, he's the guy many historians say was the greatest pirate ever, at least in terms of how much loot he acquired. One day his lookout yelled that there were new sails coming their way. Well, Mr. Roberts was enjoying his favorite dinner of Salmagundi, and he was not going to be bothered by a few new sails. Too bad. Those sails belonged to the British task force that had been sent to destroy him, and they did just that. Well, just what was Salmagundi? Why was it so good that it caused the demise of the great Black Bart? Why, the recipe is very simple. You just grab everything in range and throw it in the pot. Actually, there is a recipe, and it is very versatile. A cook might include, as the basis of Salmagundi, any or all of the following. Turtle meat, fish, pork, chicken, corned beef, <laughs> duck, pigeon, ham. The meats would be roasted, chopped into chunks, marinated in spiced wine. Then it's combined with cabbage, anchovies, pickled herring, mangoes, hard-boiled eggs, palm hearts, onions, olives, grapes, or any other pickled vegetables that were available. The whole would then be highly seasoned with garlic, salt, pepper, and mustard seed, and then doused with oil and vinegar. Then it's to be served with draughts of beer and rum. Ah, Salmagundi. Sounds delicious, don't it? <laughs> well, what about those pirates? Why were they so popular that men and boys would leave their farms and shops to join them? Was it their good food like the famous Salmagundi? <laughs> nope. Actually, pirates were near to starving to death all the time. They rarely had enough to eat. They usually had between 200 and 350 aboard their ship. That's so they'd have enough to overrun any other merchant ship they found. <laughs> they just overwhelmed them. Can you imagine how much it took to feed that mob? They never had enough and were soon reduced to wormy biscuits and semi-rotten salt pork. Can you imagine the living conditions? They were packed in there like sardines. Of course there were no beds or even hammocks. They just lay down on the deck or someplace in a tangle of arms and legs. When it came time to relieve themselves, they didn't bother going up on deck. They just took care of business down in the bilge. When the stench became unbearable, they'd burn sulfur or pitch or juniper or some other smoke, but nothing would clear that air. Dr. Samuel Johnson, an 18th century man of letters, summed it all up with this, quote, No man will be a sailor who has contrivance enough to get himself into a jail. For being in a ship is being in a jail with the chance of being drowned. A man in a jail has more room, better food, and commonly better company. Now any man who's been in Newport or Newgate prison in London, they might argue with him a bit about the merits of jail over ship, but that's beside the point. The life of a pirate was terrible. 
It was bloody, and after a fight, the ship's surgeon, or the carpenter, and a lot of the tools were the same. Anyway, they were amputating arms and legs right and left. If they were to get infected, those arms or legs poisoned you and killed you. And in the tropics, they always got infected. So they just solved the problem and sawed away. They didn't waste around. Just saw the things off and feed them to the sharks. So why did the pirates find so many recruits? First of all, the population was angry at the gentry. The gentry was the dukes and the lords and the titles, of, including the king and court. Second, they were all poor. Now here's an example. Let's say that you grew up on a farm with a couple of friends. You could all look forward to becoming farmers, just like your parents, and, and you just didn't dare think of anything else. Then your friends just up and left. They went to sea, first as regular sailors, then they were captured and forced into a pirate gang. When they came back after two years, they were rich. While you could work your heart out for five British pounds a month, they came back with over two thousand pounds each. It was far more than even a great lord of England earned. The governor of the great East India Company, why, he earned just three hundred pounds a year. <laughs> oh, and oh, they flaunted it. It's like your friend today coming home and then buying a brand new Maserati every week and entering it into the Friday Night Demolition Derby. <laughs> oh, oh, and to hear them tell of the grand and glorious life of a pirate. Wow, wow. Now, now what about the girls of the day? Well, you may have been hoping to marry that cute gal on the next farm, but what do you think's going through her head? She knows she can marry you and be a farmer's wife and, and slop hogs and milk the cows and, and help you pull the plow. But that friend of yours who just bought that mansion and, and spends money like it was water, well, one day she is going to have to explain to her parents why she is suddenly draped in jewels. <laughs> you can bet that these returned wealthy pirates did not tell of the horrors of their attacks on innocent victims, of their rapes, their murders, their use of terror. It was blood-soaked madness. Nope, I don't think so. Yepper, it was money and glory and a chance to hit back at authority. One pirate captain, Charles Bellamy, he kind of summed up the feeling of pirates when, when he tried to get a captured merchant captain to join his crew. When the man refused, Bellamy yelled at him, Damn ye! Ye are a sneaking puppy, and so are all those who submit to be governed by laws which rich men have made for their own security. For the cowardly whelps have not the courage to defend what they get by their own knavery. But damn ye altogether, damn them for a pack of crafty rascals, and you who serve them for a parcel of hen-hearted numbskulls. They vilify us, the scoundrels do. Then there is only this difference. They rob the poor under color of law, forsooth, and we plunder the rich under the cover of our own courage. Had ye not better make one of us, rather than sneak after the arses of those villains of our employment? <laughs> and then the great Bartholomew Roberts, he had this to say. In an honest service there is thin rations, low wages, and hard labor. In this plenty and satiety, pleasure and ease liberty and power, and who would not balance creditor on this side when all the hazard that is run for it at worst is only a sour look or two at choking, he means hang being hung, 
No, a merry life and a short one shall be my motto. Are there still pirates today? I don't mean those in ships, but right here in our cities. Can you find poverty? Can you find men who cry out against authority? Can you find those who take advantage of opportunities to join with others and go on terrible rampages of, of destruction, causing blood-soaked violence? During violent demonstrations, our news reporters often ask their perpetrators why they're there. The answers are amazing. They always say they are seeking justice, and therefore they're justified. No matter the damage they cause, the looting they steal, the lives they destroy, it's all fun and glory, and they see themselves as leaders of a cause. At least the pirates of old were honest. They knew they were pirates. Hey, thanks for listening. Until next time, remember, you are learning the truth. Enjoy your Salma Gundy. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry.